welcome to The Wired Wick, demystifying tech law trends and educating about law in tomorrow's society. Hello and welcome back to The Wired Wig. My name is Annabelle Pemberton and this is the last episode of 2020. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing application advice for those who are interested in the law and technology space and any questions that you might need to answer on how technology will impact legal services. So firstly, before we start, I'd just like to say thank you so much for all the support and feedback and interaction with the podcast throughout this year. I really didn't expect it to expand to so many different areas, such as legal tech, legal design, how we actually need to change our laws around different technologies as they change and evolve. And it's been so fascinating for me to see the growth of the podcast and also have the opportunity to talk to so many fabulous guests with all these different experiences and insights. Thank you so much for being part of that and coming along on the journey with me too. The podcast has actually been listened to in over 38 countries and there's now 25 episodes released. And of course, there's more to come in 2021. So stay tuned because we have some exciting content coming up in the new year. So let's get to today's episode. In today's episode, it's going to be focused on applying for work in law and technology or in answering questions around technology and the law. The episode is actually split into four sections. The first section is job discovery. So actually finding opportunities for you in law and technology that actually fit with your values and what you want to do. The second section is answering questions around law and technology. So for example, how is technology changing legal services? How can you actually demonstrate that you have the interest in technology and the law? And why are you motivated to work in law and technology? The third section is branding yourself properly in your applications so you can shine through like the star you actually are. And the final section is making sure that you have the right mindset and wellness during this application season, as I understand it can be a very stressful period. So as it's time to get started, now's the time to go and get your cup of tea, mince pie, gingerbread, Christmas snack, and listen to the section of this episode that's going to be most applicable for you. I'm going to be guiding you throughout this episode, giving you a little overview of each snippet and then going into the snippet. So first, we're going to start with the job discovery section. And this first snippet is from Marianne Povajnik, who's from Sparring, and he discussed why it's important to really understand yourself before you really set your mind on what you want to do in your legal career. Uh, There are different paths. Um, There is no one, I would say. And each junior lawyer or graduate should really think twice uh, to understand herself so that the the choices would be uh, done wisely. More and more young people uh, want to have some impact. They want to do something impactful to the society. They want to really benefit, uh, basically provide provide some support to the overall society. And this might be rather tough uh, from the point of view of the law firms that are heavily, heavily uh, focused on the basically revenue and profit generation. Uh, There is also some uh, pro bono agenda uh, that covered but people seeking a really uh, meaningful uh, legal legal job, maybe the corporate law firms might not be the best place for them. And for, for such people, actually disrupting the legal market, 
from uh, from the side of the legal tech startups uh, might be might be maybe a way out. If you've been listening to the Wired Wig throughout this year, then you would have noticed that law and technology is a very broad area. You have legal tech, you have legal design, you have the intersection of law and technology. So it can be quite confusing and overwhelming to really know what your area is. I spoke to Lorraine Chimga, whose episode will be released in January, about this topic. Tech law, legal tech is so wide, I would say maybe choose an area to focus on and that you're naturally interested in and then be very well versed about that because it's easy when someone has enthusiasm about a particular subject, it's really easy to see that they're passionate about it. So don't try to spread yourself too thin, you know, find out what's out there. A good place to start is uh, Legal Geeks website. They have a startup map of all the startups mm-hmm. in this space in tech law. Um, my my unique selection point was I was interested in the effect of uh, tech on the rule of law in the digital era. That's what my dissertation talked about. That's what my award-winning paper talked about. That's what I talked about in my um, applications. And then also I, I mentioned that because I was interested in how the rule of law might be affected in the digital era, I want to be part of firms that will allow me to participate in that discourse or at least shape what the law looks like in that space. After you've really thought about which areas appeal to you, then it's time to start looking at jobs and opportunities that are available in this area. What I would say is that there's quite a few roles that you could go into in terms of working in startups. And startups won't necessarily be advertising in the conventional way. They might not have a process to advertise through internships, for example. It's more about you taking the initiative and contacting the company to see if there's an opportunity for you. It's important to remember that if you've studied law, you have a lot of transferable skills. So, for example, you can start working for a startup in something that's not necessarily in law and then transfer to law inside that startup later. Beth, who we spoke to, actually started her position in compliance and now works in the legal team at eBay. So it is definitely possible to do that. And it's something that I did myself, moving from a consultant to working data protection law at Exponia. So firstly, make sure that you know your niche and then explore different opportunities around this, whether it's actually contacting startups, going on to Legal Geek and looking at the startup map and just going from there. Now we will move on to looking at some of the questions that could be asked in an application and how to answer them and giving you some pointers of some of the trends in the industry. Some applications will ask you to consider how legal services and legal operations will be affected by technology. So we've had some insights from different guests throughout the year. And first, we'll start off with both Giles and Elliot from Avoca. I think if we look back at the last, let's say, last five years, um, it's been legal technology has found its its home in in automating or um, assisting in what I'd call kind of volume-based tasks. Um, so if that's either the, the kind of review of documents on a, on a volume basis using um, AI um, where applicable, or for us, it's you know the automation of documents or automation of workflows. So those are quite volume and repetitive or, and in, you might argue mundane tasks, which obviously has a, has a great place. Um, I think the next three to five years is more about machines, if you want to call it that, um, exercising judgment 
Um, so you, you'll start to see uh, more substantive roles being taken by software in the actual, uh, I guess, practice or exercise of, uh, of law. Um, so that might be suggesting um, a markup on a document on a reliable basis. Uh, but it's not just going to be about markups. It's, it's all about that, that switch from, I guess, automating or assisting the mundane tasks to actually seeing, you know, machines play a role in, in being sort of quasi-lawyers. In document automation related, one of the biggest things we're going to see is new forms of product offerings delivered by law firms. And I'm going to be really specific. What, I'm, what I mean by that is I think that uh, law firms are going to start offering to automate their clients' um, standard contracts for them. Um, and then they're going to offer um, sort of an, an automated um, contracting service to their clients. At, you know, I think that hopefully will become standard. And then law firms are going to, you know, offer advice through a sort of online platform, um, you know, on, on ad hoc uh, contractual periods. I see that becoming a really big um, thing. And then I think the broader theme just across legal tech, I think, is we're going to see a sort of consumerization um, of tools. So I think this is not just exclusive to legal tech. I think it, it, it applies to general um, consumer software. It's becoming user interfaces are having to become simpler and simpler and easier and easier. And we're seeing that across the board. I think that legal tech isn't going to escape that, um, those client demands. During the episode with Mariam Povaznik, we spoke about how in the future, there might be a situation where we combine both lawyers and engineers together. So I asked him more on that. I'm certain of it. Uh, basically, law firms, uh, as we know them, basically consist of just lawyers and the lawyers cover everything. They cover uh, business development, they cover project management, they cover the legal heavy lifting, they cover uh, key account management, they cover basically everything. They're even steering the, any innovation uh, that is being done within the law firms. Usually the lawyers suck in the, in the, in the project management and in the techn- and product development and in the uh, sales, et cetera, et cetera. So if you will be able to uh, fill those roles with the people having experience and background with the particular uh, particular uh, skills required and experiences, then uh, there is a good chance you will be more more successful. The law firms needed shall need to be, uh, especially those that we are going to drive the innovation within the markets, uh, will be will be supplemented by the uh, project management uh, people uh, leading and steering the global uh, global uh, transactions. There will be some uh, IT people uh, building up. A, a digital environment for the clients and the lawyers themselves. Uh, there will be product management who, product management people who will be basically designing and providing the architecture of the of the solutions. Catherine Bamford also spoke about the future of legal technology by looking at how we can extract more data from contracts and how we work with our clients. So I think uh, more end-to-end seamless. Uh, integration of all the different tools I think then doing that then what you do is you capture the data and that's where we're going is then with that data with that information that's being inserted in all our clients deals being able then to report back to our clients the trends that we see in that data to make them more informed about their business and their risk so that actually you can help them reduce their legal spend yes because if you say to them um your contract that you have with all of your suppliers is generally quite different to all of your competitors' contracts in this one clause. 
and we've noticed that you have more litigation around that clause than anyone else. So why don't we change this clause to more market norm and then you'll have less litigation. One question that you will have to answer in most applications is why you have the motivation to work in that area of law or that industry. So for example, in law and technology, you might get a question asking, why are you motivated to work in legal tech? Why are you motivated to work in legal design? And you can support that answer to the question by using different areas and different experiences that you have. Now, you might not have been able to gain different experiences this year, and that's completely understandable. So this section is really to inspire you about what you can do in the future. And if you have already done it, how you can actually use it in your application. Lorraine shared with me how actually her attitude towards success and growth mindset was one way that she was able to secure her role in a regulatory technology startup. Yeah, I think one of the most common questions I get is, do you need to know how to code? How can I show um, interest without experience? And so if you look at me back then, technically speaking, I didn't really have a lot of like experience technically speaking in terms of coding etc but I think what I did have going for me was just the pure interest the genuine interest based on the activities I was doing with the Society of Computers and Law Mm -hmm. and I remember going to the interview and just being very honest and saying hey guys I have a law degree but nothing else I have no tech experience but I am really keen to learn and uh, they were or kind enough to give me the job and let me learn on the job so I learned everything from scratch uh, just from that opportunity. During his episode, Anton also provided some advice for those who are budding legal technologists or want to gain more insight into legal tech. I think this is also applicable if you're just interested in law and technology as well, because it really is a suggestion of how to look at lawyers and the legal services of the future. What I think could also be helpful is um, reading more about legal management and legal design. Well, at least within 10 years, but probably much, much faster, the profession would start looking different. It will be more like, you know, other types of business where you need to, to pack your work uh, in, a, in a, again, human way. You have to be not only to be thinking correctly in terms of you know, laws and rules, but also in terms of the product that you're creating. And... Um, I think it would also be super great to kind of understand the essence of legal work. So not, again, not just laws, not just rules, um, but, but also, you know, there, there are great books like Legal Analyst and, and, and uh, books like that. So if coding isn't a prerequisite of actually working in technology law and the intersection of law and technology, what would be helpful for your application or maybe to mention that you're going to be interested in or perhaps pursuing in the future to increase your chances of maybe being noticed by the firm? Well, Ilona highlighted some ways that she's actually improved her exposure to the industry in her episode. And then, of course, attending conferences. Uh, There are loads of different conferences in all over Europe. Um, Usually conferences have student discounts or are free. For example, I was part of setting up a conference about how artificial intelligence will shape the legal sector's future. 
Um, so volunteering, uh, setting up conferences or attending conferences is also a very um, good method of getting into it. And also for networking purposes, but you can also volunteer with any other type of organizations. You can shoot them a message like, hey, I have this idea, can I help you with it? In addition to attending conferences and volunteering at events and with societies, you can also attend hackathons and startup weekends where you can gain practical experience, as suggested by Catherine. You'll have like charities come up with problems, legal and access to justice charities come up with problems, and then you'll get into teams, normally mentored by some really senior people in the legal technology scene from some great firms um, to come up with solutions. And um, some of the things that, that the students have come up with have, have gone into application and have been, are now being used in, in helping people to find out their rights to complete the form they need to fill in to apply for something. Um, so some great examples and there's a lot of open source software out there as well. So some free software, one in particular called DocAssemble is a super cool tool. And um, lots of people have been using DocAssemble to build some free apps to help people get easier access to um, the information they need. Overall, whatever experience you have, it's important that you make sure to put it into your application and really demonstrate that you've taken steps to really understand the industry a bit more, whether it's through previous work experience or whether it's been through actually listening to a podcast like this, for example. It's all important information. But like I said, if you haven't gained that much experience yet, start small and go from there. Start reading something around law and technology, engage with the artificial lawyer, look at Legal Geek, and then just move step by step. In your application, it's crucial that your passion for the subject shines through. So you should understand why you really like law and technology and what about it interests you. Amy was telling us why she became interested in legal tech in her episode. It was an interesting one because for me, I didn't really know about legal tech and that was a world that kind of existed <laughs> until about my second or third year at university doing my undergrad. And I think what really, really interested me is how young it was and how fresh and how quickly mm -hmm. it was evolving. Whereas having studied like other areas of the law, it felt like there wasn't as much room for me to kind of make an impact in. It's highly likely that if you work in a startup, technology company or legal tech tool, that your work is going to be more entrepreneurial than working in a straight law law firm. Here is what Electra Yaponas said about entrepreneurship and why she loves being a founder. Hi, I'm definitely entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to start my own business and I've always really, that's why I said initially when I was a law, when I studied law, it was really important that I was not private practice and I was actually in-house because I love business. So I, I've always wanted to be part of a business. Um, uh, I'm more of an entrepreneur than a lawyer. I have quite a high risk appetite, um, which lots of lawyers don't. Some lawyers do, but, but I'm, a, yeah, I'm an entrepreneurial lawyer. Moving on to section three, really standing up for yourself and making sure you're shining through in your application. The first snippet is from Blessing and she talks about branding yourself and really knowing your message. Redraft your own rules, create your own set of goals um, and your own set of objectives that really um, fit with your own chamber's profile and 
your own, obviously chambers are still businesses, you know, your own economic interests. What do you want? So for example, for me, um, I'm not a chambers, I'm just a person, but I'm going to be mm-hmm. obviously a self-employed barrister, right? So I've got to have a brand. And I've decided in my own mind, I want to be the um, Nicki Minaj slash Oprah slash Beyonce of the legal world. So I know that people are going to like me um, for being, you know, having a clear and loud voice, um, having a very unique way of expressing myself, um, having a strong fashion sense, like I said, um, like you said, sorry. And I appreciated that. (laughs) Um, Those things are the standout features of my brand. And therefore it means that when I create content, I know what kind of content that I'm creating and why I'm creating it. Now more than ever, it's important to show your uniqueness in your application, or even if you're just sending off a CV for a startup. So here is what Beth had to say when I asked her whether she thought creativity and entrepreneurship are important for applying to a role. I would actually argue that now more and more um, employers are really valuing candidates with entrepreneurship and creativity skills. They don't want somebody who's just about, you know, academia, who is a top law school graduate, only got first or A's or whatever, tens, a hundred percentages, whatever is the top of the grading uh, rubric. It is important to have passions outside of the law. Personally, have experienced that a lot of interviews ask me about my interests outside of my CV, outside of my education. At the end of the day, you will most likely be working long, long hours with your colleagues. They want to know that they will get on with you, that you, you don't necessarily even have to have something in common. But as long as you have that drive and ambition, and if you can showcase that and your entrepreneurship skills, I do think they will be noticed and it will make you stand out, um, especially now when there are fewer openings and more um, prospective candidates for these positions, right? I think, I would argue maybe it's somewhat optimistic that they are becoming less overlooked and more sought after. And while we're talking about passion and your interests and showing this in our application, I thought this snippet from Erica Lee was also really important to mention. That we are able to cultivate creativity and imagination and I think when we're operating in such an uncertain sort of future mm-hmm. there's something about being able to reimagine the world have a vision for what it might be and then nudge towards those sorts of goals I guess yeah to make an impact I think it combines you know different parts of your brain and, and certainly different parts of your heart as well so I think definitely do things with passion, curiosity, learning, um, and just get out there and just start. I think that moves nicely onto the final section of the podcast on mindset and mental wellness. Now, it's really important to have the confidence to apply to that dream job that you can see, even if you think you're not quite qualified yet. Now, I thought this advice from Bianca in her episode was really key and can be helpful for some of you listening. Um, but I didn't for a second thought I'd get in and one of the graduate recruiters said and this is probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received do not eliminate yourself from the process let us reject you if we don't think you're the right fit you can't make that decision for us 
In 2020, a lot of our lives were online, so we saw a lot of other people's lives through that lens. Now, Yosef had some really important advice about how it's important to not look at other people and think, oh, well, they were only successful because they're talented in this way. And that you can remember that you can also achieve that success too. You just have to know the path to take and get skilled in the right areas. You always think that, well, this person knows what he's doing, what he or she's doing. This person, you know, has some special ability and is perfect, etc., etc., uh, which I don't think is actually true. So uh, any startup founder really, uh, especially if it's sort of a first time or second time startup founder, if you ask them what's going on, they really don't know. It's only about a consistent effort in uh, and believing in the idea and you'll learn your all the important things on your way. So general outcome of this is that you should not underestimate yourself and uh, you should try whatever you want to try while you're young and you can and you have the resources. So uh, just don't underestimate yourself. Nobody knows what, what they're doing. Now with all of this advice, I don't want to really push hustle culture over Christmas or anything like this because I think it's so important to also take a rest. So I think this advice from Lorraine is also very applicable for some of you who maybe feel like you're very close to burning out and that actually not applying for anything this Christmas is completely okay. You know what? It's been a tough year for everyone. Mm-hmm. Take a mental health break if you need to. Uh, applying for law firms uh, when everything's normal is hard enough. I can't even begin to imagine the pressure because there's more people applying, more people have time, everyone and everyone's aunties has been on like a networking event so everyone has the same experience if that makes sense everyone's been on a virtual scheme it's so open so firstly in terms of writing the applications just try and think of what makes you unique and focus on your story to build a unique selling point in those applications but by the same token realize that this apocalypse has been strange for everyone it's been a very kind of roller coaster year so if you feel you know, you might feel, oh, I'm losing a year of applications, but take it from someone who got her training contract four years later. There's no rush. Um, and if you need to take a mental health break out of this stressful season, then do it. Law firms are not going anywhere. Applications are not going anywhere. Your mind matters more. And I think that's a perfect note to end this podcast on. To all of the guests that I've spoken to this year, thank you so much again for being on the Wired Week podcast. It would not be possible without you. For any listeners who are new to the Wired Week podcast and just stumbled across this episode now, then welcome. And you can find the Wired Week on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And you can find it across a number of different podcast platforms. And you can find them all on our main anchor page. Page, which I'll leave in the description below. If you ever need to come back to this episode, there's also going to be timestamps in the description below as well, so you can easily scroll to your favourite part of this remix episode. So I will see you in 2021, and I'm looking forward to it. Have a very happy Christmas and a great start to the new year, and I'll see you on the 4th of January.